podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So thank you, Jesus, that you're here with us. Father, we thank you today that you are not limited in any way. You are not limited by any pandemic. You are not limited by the fact that we can't gather together in person. Father, you are without limit. You are without limit. And so just in our own hearts today, we acknowledge that truth, that you are not limited on the earth. You are not limited to where we currently find ourselves. You are not limited economically. You are not limited relationally. You are in control. And so I just want to encourage you, wherever you are watching, just take a moment and remind yourself that the God of heaven, the God of the universe is not limited in any way. So just breathe that truth in. Just reflect on that for a moment. Let's just pause for a moment on that one truth. God is before all time. Colossians says that He is presently holding everything together. And even when it feels like everything else is falling apart, God is holding it all together, including our lives. So we just acknowledge you right before we go any further today as the God without limit. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, wherever you are this morning. Great to have you online with us. A little bit unorthodox, but excited to see what God does in this next season that we're in. I want to thank you for joining with us today, wherever you're watching from. And thanks for being patient with us this morning. It's our first time. We haven't done this before. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate your, your patience with us as we, as we do this. We're really living in unprecedented times. No doubt about it, we are living in unprecedented times. But, you know, as I thought about it this week, I'm feeling incredibly grateful this week for technology, technology that we're able to, through the wonder of technology, come together in this way. And although Thrive Church, we're not together physically, we are still together spiritually. And um, yeah, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for technology this week and just thankful for a lot of things. And so I wanted to share something a little bit humorous today before I start. You might have shared, seen a meme that I shared on social media through the week, which I thought was cool. These are four reasons to watch church online, four reasons. Number one, there's no parking. There's no parking to worry about at the moment, although we don't normally have a parking problem where we are, but you don't have to get up and find a park in the morning. Um, number two, you can refill your coffee at any time or tea for those of you who drink tea. Number three, you get to stay in your pyjamas or your trackies or whatever it is you feel most comfortable in. And to put your makeup on, you can just feel comfortable. But number four, you can mute the pastor. You can actually mute me if you really want to. You can just enjoy the worship, then mute the message and come back on. <clears throat> um, hopefully nobody is doing that right now, muting me. But it is perfectly acceptable to drink copious amounts of coffee and stay in your pyjamas. Uh, before I get into today's thought that I have for you, uh, I just wanted to share with you three important priorities for us as an ACC church movement right now that our ACC national president, Wayne Alcorn, wanted to communicate to all of you that we as a church movement um, want to come around together and unify around. And these things won't be uh, things that you won't have already heard about or thought about, but I just want to remind you, particularly as a church family, and the number one is let's keep praying. Prayer is such an important focus for us right now. You, you might have seen on our social media pages that there is a, a national call to prayer right now that at seven o'clock every night, we're asking everyone who calls on the name of Jesus just to stop and to pause and just pray. 
let's just pray together. Let's pray against this virus. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for the God of heaven to touch people's lives. Let's stop at seven. But also there's a great scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 that talks about uh, praying without ceasing. And this is really a time to pray without ceasing, to really not stop praying. It doesn't mean we pray without literally stopping. It just means that we go through our day constantly playing, constantly being mindful um, that we need God to move in our nation, in the world right now. But also, I know there are many churches that are taking the time today to, to fast. So maybe this is something you could consider to do this week, maybe fast something. I was going to say fast technology, but this would not be the time to fast technology, but maybe you could fast a, a meal or coffee, God forbid, coffee or something you can fast. But let's keep praying and fasting until this thing shifts. Number two, I want to encourage you to be intentional about caring for people right now. Number one is pray. Number two is care. Um, can I just encourage you, if you are part of our church, to, to try to do the best way you can to care for one another in this time. I know that's a little hard with the restrictions that we have in place, but why don't you this week just think of somebody that you can pick up the phone and call, send a message to, um, send some online food. I, I don't, you know, you can order food online and have it delivered. Just do whatever you can to take care of people, share those supplies, encourage one another. But let's be a church that really cares for one another, cares for our neighbours and really takes care. Number three is let's cooperate. Let's really cooperate. Let's, let's do whatever we can to cooperate with the authorities and the current restrictions are in place. I, they're doing this um, because they love us and because they care for us. This is not trying to be a police state or anything. It's because they're trying to do the right thing by our people. And we want to we want to cooperate with them because we want to, we want to love our neighbours well. And we want to protect those who are most vulnerable in our community. So let's do that. Let's keep cooperating. Let's, um, let's keep submitting to our leadership. Let's, let's show the world that the church right now can be a partner with the government and really serve the government of the day to do what we can. Um, I want to remind you that faith and wisdom are not enemies. Faith and wisdom are not enemies. So let's trust God. Let's trust God to do the impossible but let's be wise at the same time, yeah? So let's pray, let's care, and let's cooperate. All right, are you ready for today's word? Awesome. Um, there are so many things that I, as I thought about this week to share with you and so many themes and ideas and truths from the Bible that would be so relevant right now. And uh, the challenge was like, what do I share? There's so many things that feel so real. I don't know if you've had this thought this week, but my, fit, my faith has felt more alive this week than ever before. It's like I've had to come to a place like, what do I really believe right now? What do I really believe about God and about His Word and about His power? But as I sought God early in the week for a specific word, a specific word from the outset to bring to you this Sunday, I really felt Him lead me to the book of Isaiah and specifically the 43rd chapter. You know, Isaiah is a fascinating book. It's a long book. It can be feel a bit confusing if you're not sure of the context. In fact, the name Isaiah means the Lord who saves, the Lord who saves. And I think that's such an appropriate message right now, the Lord who saves, that we need God right now. And so I want to read to you Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1 is where we're going to start. And it really is God's heart to you and to me and to his people at this time. And I want to read this to you. It's such a beautiful passage of scripture. It says in verse one, but now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says this, do not be afraid. Isn't that a message for us right now? Don't be afraid for I have ransomed you. I love this. For I have called you by name. You are mine. 
you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. I'm declaring this over you, church. I'm declaring this over you wherever you are this morning. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up. You will not be burned up. Um, The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour, your Saviour. Look what it says in verse 4. Because you are precious to me. You are precious to me. You are honoured and I love you. And I really felt like that was God's heart to His people at this time. And I can't conclusively speak from the mind of God this morning. We can kind of guess, and I know the prophetic voices that are out there are sort of speaking from the perspective of God right now. But one thing I know when we're unsure of what's happening around us and we're not even certain of the times, one thing I do know is I know what God's heart is towards us. And that scripture, that passage of scripture is God's heart towards you and I. I want to read this again, that you are His. You are His. He will be with you. He will be with you, church. You will not drown. You won't drown. You will not be burned up. You are precious to Him. You are honoured and He loves you. You know, when Isaiah was declaring that over the nation of Israel, he was declaring those promises over the children of Israel. But how much more do they apply to those of you and I who are in Christ? How much more do those promises that apply to the children of God, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as, his, as their Lord and Saviour? You know, Um, God always takes care of his own. He always takes care of his children, always, always, even when it doesn't look like the way we think it should look or even when his provision comes in uncertain ways or in ways that we didn't expect, God always takes care of his children. Now, as we move on with our passage this morning, I want you to come with me to verse 16 of this same chapter, specifically verses 16 to 21 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, But before I read this passage, I I want to give you some context to this this book because it's important that you get the context of Isaiah and why I believe it's so important, this message for us today. See, Isaiah prophesied um, for over 40 years. His ministry lasted for over 40 years at a time when the nation of Israel had turned away from God. God's chosen people had turned their backs on God and they had embraced idolatry and they'd begun to embrace the practices of pagan nations and those around us. And Isaiah in the first 40 chapters or the first 39 chapters, I'm sorry, is pronouncing the judgment of God and the consequences of turning away from God's goodness and his love. And now because of their rebellion and their idolatry, that now they're going to be overtaken by the Babylonian empires and the Syrian empires and that they would lose their capital, Jerusalem, that it would fall. A thought that no Israelite could ever imagine possible. And so the whole first 39 chapters of this book is a message of judgment and consequences for turning away from the one true God. But, and, so, and, and so when you read the first 39 chapters, it can feel like, oh, it feels so heavy and dark. But from chapter 40 onwards, Isaiah begins to bring down a message of comfort, a message of encouragement a message of restoration. In fact, the last section of Isaiah is so full of God's promises and God's comfort and God's hope to the people that yes, that they, they were going to go through a difficult time, but then from chapter 40 onwards, Isaiah is going to declare what God is going to do for them because God never abandons His children, even when they turn away from Him. It's a great thought, isn't it? That even when we turn from God, even when we choose to live a life that's not God's best life, God doesn't abandon us. I even love how chapter 43 starts. Watch, if you go back to verse one of chapter 43, it starts with, but now. 
I love that. That was so highlighted to me this week. But now, all this is going on, but now. I love it. But now, listen to the Lord. Yeah, all this has gone on this last week, this pandemic, this crisis, this economic turmoil, all that's going on. But now listen to the Lord your God. And so I want to share some thoughts from this scripture or specifically starting in verse 16 of some things that are just on my heart for us as a church at this time. And number one is this thought, and I'm not sure, I don't think you'll be surprised by this, but God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. Verse 16 or verse 18, I'm sorry, says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'll come back to that in a moment. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. God tells Israel to forget the past, you know, forget the former things. That's a remarkable statement. Think about all the things that Israel had experienced with God up until that point. All of the miracles, all of the amazing works of God. He's now saying, forget all that. I'm going to do something new. And I want to say to you, Thrive Church and the people of God, this is a time, honestly, where God is doing something new. He's doing something new amongst us. This is a time where God is going to do something new in and through His church, 100% in this time. In fact, I was thinking, you know, as I watched our technology get up and running and all the things that are happening right now and the way we're connecting, I don't think the church will ever be the same again. In fact, I think the church is coming into a new era a new time, a new season, a new season of His grace, a new season of His power, a new season of His anointing. He's using this chaos to actually birth something new through the church at this time. And I want to say to you, and I say this to myself, because I don't always love change. I don't know how you go with change. I think all of us to some degree struggle a little bit with change, but I want to encourage you to adjust to the new to adjust to the new thing that God is doing. And, you know, I know for me, it's going to mean letting go of old ways of thinking, old methods and old habits, old paradigms of thought and embracing new methods, new ways of reaching people, new ways of being intentional to be the church. In fact, I saw this quote through the week that was really good. It was, um, those of us with the ability to adjust to the new are going to find this season of uncertainty as an opportunity to find where God is and what he's doing in this time. I'm going to say more about that in a little while. But I want you to notice in this passage that God says in this passage, he says, I am doing a new thing. He doesn't say, I will do a new thing. He says, I am doing a new thing. It's a present tense statement. Not something I will do. I'm not going to plan to do something new. Right now, I am doing something new. Because God is always up to something. He's always up to something. Jesus once said of his father, he said, my father is always at work. He's never not working. He's always doing something. And I love the fact that this is a present tense statement that God is doing something now. But the question for you and the question for me right now is, can you see it? Can you see it? Or more importantly, can you perceive it? In this scripture, I want you to notice that God starts with the sentence with the word see. He says, see. See, I'm doing a new thing. And then further on, he says, can you perceive it? See and perceive. Do you know, church, um, we have the ability as the people of God to see and perceive spiritually. In fact, that's so important at this time that we can see and perceive spiritually. To see with the eyes of faith, to see with eyes of faith and not just with what we naturally see around us. One of my favourite scriptures in the book of Ephesians is where Paul prays to the church in Ephesus and he says, I pray, watch this, he says, that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. 
that you might, that you might know the hope to which you are called to. Paul says, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart would see. In fact, it's more important than ever before that we would learn to see from our heart, to actually see spiritually. It's not that we actually can just necessarily see the spiritual realm, but it's about perceiving what God is doing in this time. Even when you don't understand, it's not like all of a sudden we just see angels and everything walking around, or that would be cool. It's that you can perceive what God is doing in this time. And this is a time, church, to see what God is doing, to perceive. And, And here's the thing. And this is the thing that kind of confronted me and challenged me. If God is doing a new thing in his church and we are the church, that means God is doing a new thing in you. He's doing a new thing in you. That's exciting almost that he's doing a new thing with you. He's bringing us, I believe, to new levels of faith, new levels of trust, new levels of hope, new levels of anointing. He's doing new things in all of us right now, if you can perceive it. Which leads me to my second thought, and this is so important. You have to focus right now on what God is doing, not what the enemy is doing. You have to focus on what God is doing and not what the enemy is doing. This is a time, honestly, where you have to choose where you put your focus. Where you put your focus right now is critical. Um, God says right now, focus on me. I want you to have your focus, the, the, the meditation of your heart completely on me right now, not what the devil is up to. You know, uh, it's pretty easy to see what he's up to. Just turn on the news. Go check the, the news feed right now. Turn the TV on and you can see what he's up to right now. Sowing seeds of chaos and destruction, economic turmoil, overwhelming people with the spirit of fear and intimidation and dread. I can see him using confusion that's causing people and panic to, to panic by and hoard. I see him trying to overwhelm people with hopelessness and gloom and doom and where we're not trusting each other now. And we're, we're so fearful right now. That is the enemy's work. That's the enemy's work. But God says, don't focus on that. Look at what I am doing, what I am doing. Because I know what the enemy would love you to do right now to be to, to check your news and pick, pick your phone up and be checking the news feed every five minutes and keeping up to date on the, on, the, on the death rate and the news forecast and the explosion rate in the virus and all the things that are going on. He wants you to focus on that nonstop. But God says, no, 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 don't focus on that. Focus on me. And as somebody who's an information junkie, I find that hard because I'm somebody that loves to be informed. I want to read the news. I want to research. I want to find out stuff. And I've had to just at points this week when I've turned on the news, I've had to just, Amy and I were in the lounge room and the constant news, we're like, just got to turn it off. We just got to turn it off right now. We don't need to hear anymore or read anymore or see anymore. Let's just focus on Jesus. And so the challenge for you and I right now, watch this, is to make sure that our focus on Jesus is stronger than our focus on the world right now. And the way you keep your focus on Jesus right now is that you keep your focus on the Word of God. I said uh, last year when I preached a sermon about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, one of the ways that we stare into the eyes of Jesus is to keep our eyes continually on His Word. He is the Word. He's the living Word. And the more we're focused on this book, you know, I'm a pastor, right? So I got to be in this book a lot. And so I'm in this book most days, but I found myself even more so just, just being consumed right now with this book. And the more I'm in this Bible, in this word, the more at peace and at rest I feel on the inside right now. And so I read these words this week from C.S. Lewis that were written in 1942, which I feel like are fitting for today. Um, he wrote this. This is what Satan says. I'll cause anxiety, I'll cause fear, I'll cause panic, 
I'll shut down businesses, schools, places of worship and sports events, and I'll cause economic turmoil. But Jesus says this, I'll bring together neighbours. I'll restore the family unit. I'll bring dinner back to the kitchen table. Feeling a bit convicted by that right now. I'll help people slow down their lives and appreciate what really matters. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. I'll teach my children to trust me and not their money and not their material resources. Jesus is at work. He's at work and he is at work and he wants you to shift your focus onto him right now. The next promise that God makes to us, if we keep reading, he says this in verse 19. He says, um, I'm making a way through. He says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. God says, I'm making a way through what seems impossible right now. You know, God, this seems cliche and we sing songs like this, but God is always making a way when there seems no way. He's going to make a way. This is what he's saying to the people of Israel. I'll give you some context in a moment. See, I want you to give you the, actually, I'll give you the context now. So when, when God says to the people of Israel that I'm making a way through, you have to bear in mind the context that Isaiah is prophesying right now. Let me, this are, these are a people who are still by this stage under Babylonian rule. These are a people who had lost their land and they'd lost their temple. Their land and their temple were so big for the Jewish people. A people who had lost hope, who had lost all hope that they would ever return to their land. They could see no way back to their promised land and back to God's best for their lives. No way could they ever imagine a reality where they would be back in their land. And it is in that context that God, through their prophet Isaiah, is prophesying a way back through because God is a way maker. He is a way maker. That's what he does and that's who he is. He is a way maker. Now, I want you to notice again in this passage when he says he is making a way, again, it's present tense. It doesn't say I will make a way. He says I am making a way right now. Right now I'm making a way. Why is that important? Well, this is the reason I think that's important because I think as a Christian and as a believer, there's a tendency to think of the Lord as the God who was or the Lord as the God who will be and not as the God who is. The God who is, but God is the great I am, the God of the present tense. He is the God of the great I am. That's why he starts verse 15 by saying, I am the Lord your God, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. He begins to remind them that He is Yahweh, the great I am, the great God of the now, the great God of the present tense. And then in verse 16, he reminds them of what he did before. He made a way through the Red Sea. He went through the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea through the mighty waters. I love that so much. I did it before and I'll do it again. I did it before and I'll do it again. You know, when you study that, it's such a fascinating passage, but um, Asaph in the Psalm says something very interesting about that particular miracle in the Bible. He says this in Psalm 77 verse 19. He says, your road, watch this, your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was even there. I love that. In other words, there was a pathway already there. It just wasn't seen. In other words, God has already decided what the pathway through is for you before we even came to the crisis. That is an amazing thought. It's not like the pandemic happened, the crisis happened, God went, oh, what do I do now? No, no, he, he wasn't taken by surprise by this. He's already paid a way through for you. And this is one I want to declare over each and every one of you this morning. 
I want you to receive this into your spirit. There's a way through. There's a way through this. God has already planned your way through. He's already planned your way through financially. He's already planned your way through emotionally. He's already even planned your way through relationally. He is going to lead us through. He's going to lead you through. Yes, you still have to go through, but the good news is that you get through. You got to go through, but you will get through. Now, I want you to come to this next promise because I feel like this is very significant for us. Not only does God say He'll bring us through, He makes another very significant promise to the people of Israel that I believe is a promise for us. Watch what He says. He says, I'll I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Verse 20, yes, I'll make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Now, bear in mind, you are God's chosen. If you are in Christ and you are His child, you are His chosen. So He says there's streams of refreshment in the desert, even in the wasteland. Now, I did a little study this week on what a wasteland is. And it's a very interesting word. But in the Hebrew, it really describes a place of formlessness, a place of confusion, a place of emptiness, a place of chaos. And I thought, gee, that sounds familiar right now. We're in a bit of a wasteland right now, a bit of an economic wasteland, a bit of a relational wasteland. Even in the middle of our current wasteland of business shutdowns and panic, God says there's still a stream of refreshment flowing in it. There's still a stream of refreshment flowing in the wasteland. Now, if you think about this, if you were traveling through desert or traveling through a wasteland, and it's hard for us of those of us who don't live in those kind of climates, but if you were traveling through a desert right now and you had to survive, the most important thing you need is water. You could probably survive in the desert without food for a few days, but it won't be long before you need water. You can't survive long without water. You can't go without water. And so I think in this time, I just wonder, I just wonder if God is using this difficult time to remind us of what we actually need most. I just wonder. Jesus said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. In other words, God is, Jesus is living water. You know, we're all being impacted by this thing in different ways and all coming to terms with different losses. And if I can just lighten for a second, to be honest, I found it most hard when you're going to laugh at me from your lounge room, when they made the decision that the NRL was being suspended. Like I went through like, I think a half a day of depression when the NRL was cancelled. In fact, as soon as the press conference that the NRL was cancelled happened, my pastor in Newcastle, Mark Zare, rang me straight away. I, I saw his number come up on my phone and I, I knew what he was ringing me about. And he rang me straight away. He's like, Brad, what are we going to do? What are we going to do for the rest of the year without any NRL? We're lost. How will we cope without the footy? I'm like, I don't know. We'll just drink more coffee. I said to Mark on the phone, I'm like, don't you feel, does it feel like God is just taking away all our idols in this season? It's like all of our idols are being removed one by one. But thank God he hasn't taken away coffee. You can still get a takeaway coffee. If that gets taken away, well, I am in real trouble right now. <laughs> but I just wonder, as stupid as that is, on some of you like going, oh my God, he's still talking about coffee, even online. But I just wonder in this time, I just wonder if God is using this time to refresh us spiritually and to detox us from all the things that we think we actually need. 
I just wonder if he's doing that because I don't want to make the mistake, church. This has been my prayer for me. It doesn't have to be your prayer, but it's my prayer. I don't want to make the mistake of believing that my refreshment will only come after we get relief from this crisis. I want to position myself to be refreshed now because God says not only is there a way through, there's refreshment in. Just watch this. Maybe, just maybe, maybe this isn't just a time to get through this. Maybe this is a time to get something from this. Maybe it's a time to get something from this. Maybe we're supposed to get something from God in this season that we can never get in any other season. In fact, there are some things in life you only get by going through. I'm intrigued by the fact that God says, I'll bring you through. Not around, not over. I'll bring you through it. I won't remove it. I'm not going to take you over. Because sometimes it's like this week, I'm like, can I just sort of like go into a hibernation just for three months and then you, you all wake me up when it's all over? But God goes, no, that's not the way God works. God brings us through things because some of the greatest lessons of our lives only come through when we're prepared to go through it. But more importantly, when we go through it with God, that's the key. That Isaiah starts with, um, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. And so as we come to a close in a moment, I want to encourage you just to stop this week, some point this week, maybe in the morning, on the way to work or wherever you are, just stop in your quiet time and just ask God these questions. Lord, what is it that you're trying to give me right now? What is it you're trying to give me right now? What is it that you want me to learn right now? What do you want me to take from this experience? And I want to encourage you, church, this is not just the time to make it through. This is the time to actually get stronger, get fresher, to be refreshed. Can I give you a little bit more Hebrew and Greek? I know I was going to finish up, but all you Hebrew Greek people love this stuff. Because I was talking to one of my uh, Hebrew expert friends this week on the phone, and he was sharing something fascinating with me that I thought was really interesting. I'm a Hebrew Greek. Well, watch this. One of the letters from the Hebrew alphabet is the word mem, M-E-M. And you know what that word mem means? It means a flowing stream of water, right? Now, this is really interesting. Now, mem, that Hebrew word, has its numerical value as 40. Now, any of you that know the Bible well know that 40 is a very significant Bible number. There are plenty of references in the Bible to the number 40. But how much do you see the reference of the word 40 with the desert? Children of Israel wandered through the wilderness. They wandered through the desert for 40 years. Jesus was tested in the desert for 40 days, right? Now, 40 always represents three things, movement, change, and maturity. Movement, change, and maturity. I'll come back to the maturity thing in a minute, but just like water. Do you know water always wants to flow and move and change? It doesn't want to be still, even in a wasteland. Here's, what I, here's why I tell you this. This is what I believe God is doing. In this time, we are going to see a move of the flowing stream of the Holy Spirit in this season more than ever before. This is a time where actually the flow of the Holy Spirit is going to be stronger, not weaker. That even in this wasteland, there would be a stream of the Holy Spirit's power in this season more than ever before. In this time that the water wants to flow, even in the wasteland, even in this time of seemingly restrictions and that word maturity, it will bring the church into greater levels of maturity. This is the season where I believe we're learning how to prepare for revival but it's also a time of discipleship where we grow deeper, we grow stronger, we grow more mature in our faith, where we actually begin to think 
God, what depth do I need to get to for this next season for what you want to do in Jesus' name? And finally, and finally, his people will praise him. Look what he says finally. He says, I'm going to provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself that they may proclaim my praise, my praise, that God would receive the praise that he alone is worthy to receive. You know, the, the New Living Translation says that, um, that someday they will honour me before the whole world. I think that's really interesting that people created by God and for God would one day praise and honour his name. And that leads me to ask this question this morning as we finish. To anybody watching this morning, I want to ask you this question. Have you acknowledged your Creator? Do you know the Lord your God? Have you ever met Jesus? Have you ever given glory and praise to His name? Have you ever honoured Him with your life? You know, I talked earlier about God making a way. That God is a way maker. But you know, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, once said these powerful words. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And I just wonder for anybody watching online right now, or maybe you're going to be watching this later on, on replay, it doesn't matter. I wonder if you've ever realised and discovered that Jesus is the only way to God. Not only is God going to make a way through us, sorry, through this current climate, He's also offering you a way back home to God. He's offering you a way back to your Creator. He's offering you a way to truth. I know talking to people in the community right now, not, not in groups, by the way, one-on-one, -on -one, but just talking to people, people are asking questions about truth. They're starting to question what they believe. They're starting to wonder about life and what the whole purpose of this is. And Jesus said, there is a way to truth. And He is the way, the truth, and the life. So right now, wherever you are in your lounge room, I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit brave. But the good thing is, you can do this in the privacy of your own home and no one is watching but if you're here this morning and you're watching online this morning and you've never personally met the Waymaker, you've never personally met your Creator, I want to invite you to bow your heads right now and pray this prayer with me. Right where you are, on your phone, in your lounge room, in your car, it doesn't matter where you are. I want to invite you to say these words after me and pray this prayer if you want to know your Creator. You ready? So dear God, I acknowledge that you are God. I need your forgiveness. I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died on the cross for my sin and that he rose again from the dead. I thank you that I can now know you. I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, be my God and be my friend. I give over my life to you and I thank you that now I'm yours. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you just prayed that prayer right now, congratulations. You've just met the Waymaker personally. But we'd love to hear from you. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. If you're watching online, comment below. Go to our website, www.heretothrive.com.au. Send us a message. We'd love to connect with you if you prayed that prayer. But you've just started your journey with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the hope of the world. Well, that's the end of our message this morning, church. Hope you're encouraged. It's really God's Word and God's heart to you in this season. But how's, this is how we're going to finish. In a moment, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up and I'm going to ask them just to pray a word of blessing or pray, sorry, sing a blessing over you right where you are. 
and just sit and let these words refresh you in Jesus' name. God bless you, Thrive.